I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I am so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have two amazing people today here with me. These are the co-hosts and stars. Stars, is that a good term? We'll take it. I think we go with it. Of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. So welcome to Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy that you guys are here. So as I mentioned, you guys are the hosts of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club, which is kind of a TikTok phenomenon slash Instagram phenomenon and also Patreon. It's a whole world. Yeah. Is that right? I guess we do have a world. <laughs> a little ecosystem. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a podcast, so if you like listening to people chat, we're chatting over there all the time. Yeah. But we do a book a week, so we've run through like 150 celebrities. So if there's any celebrity that you've ever been like, what's up with them, but I don't really want to read the book, we've read the book. You don't have to. You don't actually have to read the book to listen to the podcast. We like summarize it, give you our opinions and our hot takes. I and we give you that. the juice. Okay, because yeah. that's really what we need. It's a fast-paced world. We yeah. need someone to read the books that we don't have time to read and keep us updated. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of books out there that are, like, worth reading. So if you have a goal to read a book, we'll just tell you what's in most of these celebrity memoirs, and then you can, you can go read a better literature. Book. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't waste your time finding out about Chrishell Strauss. You have to go, like, to a library and pick up a better book. Okay, <laughs> I love that for us. Um, and you guys are also best friends and stand-up comedians, yeah. which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. There is so much that I want to know, so we're going to dive right into the questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the first celebrity memoir that you guys read together for the podcast and experience? Jessica Simpson. Yeah, it was Jessica Simpson, Open Book. We have recently actually reread it three years later because after we had read 150 other memoirs, I was like, you know what? I don't think we gave her a fair shake. I don't think I appreciated what she had given us. At that point, I had been mostly reading, like, well-written books. books. (laughs) So I didn't, I was like a lot harsher on her than I realized I needed to be. And so we went back and gave it a second chance. I feel like everyone was so harsh toward her. She, it was so that was kind of the premise of the book, too. And yeah. I, I did it, it took me a whole other three years to learn my lesson. That was an ugly era for us. The zeitgeist was not zeitgeisting. Do you know something so fascinating that I saw recently? It's so interesting the way the world just forgets about things entirely. I know exactly what you're going to say. I saw that Wait, too. Okay, because people obviously have been obsessed with Taylor Swift going to see Travis Kelsey's games and the way that the, you know, the camera gravitates towards Taylor and people have been, you know, football fans are mad at her and it's just a whole to do. I saw someone post a photo of Jessica Simpson supporting her boyfriend Tony, Romo. Time, Tony Romo and saying like, well, people weren't as mean to Jessica Simpson back then. I mean, Jessica Simpson. They put a gun to her head and said, get out of here. You're said, ruining his arm. I mean, there was like riots. People said, get her out of the games. She's making him bad at football. <laughs> Texas almost seceded over their right to get Jessica Simpson out of the that. Dallas stadium. Were, it was that. vicious. It was violent. And so to say like, why didn't why was, I mean, what Taylor is subjected to, like a couple of Golden Globes jokes here and there, like it is not Nothing even on the same person. league. Yeah. yeah. There's a, the whole unwell generation now because mm-hmm. everyone was told that she was overweight when she was oh, yeah. like a completely healthy and beautiful body weight. Yeah. yeah. I think she was 120 pounds, she said, in that photo that people went ballistic over. Kids. I mean, the way that that photo I think is burned into my brain 
from the chili cook-off. Obama commented on it. It was like <laughs> national crisis nuke potential news. People literally yeah. were like, should we nuke Jessica? <laughs> oh my God. What was the most surprising or unexpected celebrity memoir that you guys have read so far? I um, think Minka Kelly was, was like our... Just one that we really didn't know what we were going to get when we opened that book. I think we were, like, interested in it just because she was, you know, of a time. And we were excited. I I was a Friday Night Lights watcher. And the book was so touching and so interesting and just, like, well-written. I just didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. Probably because of misogyny. but (laughs) (laughs) Internalized. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because of the Jessica Simpson. Honestly. (laughs) It's full circle. It comes all the way back. It works out for you. I would say the Minka Kelly one also was very surprising for me. I think... um, What was so touching and surprising about it? It really was about her childhood and the way that she was raised. Her mom was kind of an addict and a single mom and somebody who struggles with addiction and employment and married or dated a lot of abusive men and Minka was often dragged through the mud with her choices and the way Minka has been like I have a bad relationship to men and people because of how I was raised and every day I'm working on it and just like her continued attempt to like work on herself is really interesting I think at the end of the day when you've read all these celebrity memoirs it's not that interesting to hear that you met Will Smith. There's only so many name drops that are still that interesting. What's really interesting is hearing people's like story of overcoming and like introspection and like a yeah. lot of work on the self. And Minka did that. I think like the drive to be proud of herself is like really like touching. Like I was, yeah. I, she just there were a lot of accomplishments in her life that were not did not have to do with like celebrity. They didn't have to do with hitting certain like public milestones. They had to do with like being proud. Of what she herself was able to accomplish for She's herself. She's actually a nurse. Yeah. Really? She worked at a plastic surgery office, actually. She was like an OR nurse. Oh. Yeah. And like she's where she got a boob job, baby. Yeah. <laughs> she was very proud of herself for, like, like you know, finishing that um, course and becoming, like, getting the job. And she was more proud of herself for that than she is for, like, becoming pretty famous. So. Wow. That's unexpected. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Did she write it herself? Or did I think so. Write it? Yeah. Um, Julia Fox, actually, we got to interview over her memoir. And not only did she not have a ghostwriter, she didn't even have an editor. <laughs> and you're like, Julia, that's crazy. Most people have even great writers of editors. Oh, my but gosh. How is the Julia Fox It was memoir? interesting. It's definitely like a whirlwind. I, uh, As someone who lives in New York and will probably have kids in New York, it gave me a lot of a lot of pause thinking about choices I'll be making later in my life. But as someone who also has kids in New York yeah. right now, I wonder about that all the time. Yeah, this I would actually not read this book. There's no reason <laughs> to put that in your mind. But um it's interesting to hear like the least interesting thing about her is Kanye West. The most interesting thing is being fourteen in the Lower East Side. The most being fourteen and like being deported from the Lower East Side by her parents back to Italy where she like lived alone. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, yeah, you guys are really doing the work for yeah. us here. Um, and who do you, who would you say, in your opinion, has written the most honest memoir that you've read in the past couple mm-hmm. of years? You guys have been doing this for three, three, three yeah, years. three, almost three and a half years. Yeah, wow. I mean, a lot of people have been honest, and some people, I do believe, honesty is not like universal in terms of how honest anyone can be. I think, like Mike, this situation we just read, and we interviewed him, and I was asking him questions. And I really was like, oh, this is as deep as you can go. Like, we're hitting the bottom of the pool right now. And, you know, like, the pool sometimes is three feet, sometimes it's six feet, sometimes it's a diving pool. Mike is just a three-foot-deep pool of a man. And so he was as honest as he could be. And he still wasn't able to put the pieces together of his childhood and his addiction. But, like, 
he was like, yeah, there's probably something there, but it's not like he's lying to you. He just can't. He, he can't figure it out. Yeah. I will also say honesty isn't, I don't want to be like honesty isn't the best policy, but I feel like honesty isn't always like um, a clean slate or like a well-written thing. Like some people are very honest. Sometimes when men are really honest about their relationships, I'm just like, okay, but how, how are we going to reflect and grow from that honest yeah, thought? Do the work. Because yeah. I do think just saying the truth is not... The whole thing. Yeah, some of the worst <laughs> memoirs I've read have been narratives of someone's life where it's yeah. like, I think you misunderstood the assignment. We don't need a running account of all of your greatest hits. I call those the Wikipedia memoirs where I'm just like, <laughs> if someone standing in the room could have told me the same story, then why are you telling me from your perspective? Yeah. yeah. Or even the ones that are a dressed up version of that where it's like the top 10 best, cleverest anecdotes, but there's mm-hmm. still no overarching There's no soul. Step back. Yeah. We call that the dinner party memoir where <laughs> you're like, oh, these are the stories you have for a dinner party that are, like, funny. And you leave and you go, that guy's got some funny stories. But you're like, actually, there's no there. I there. learn a single thing Seth about Seth Rogen. Them. Yeah. I, I would say Seth Rogen's book kind of falls into that category. And you go, oh, this is vulnerable because he talked about, like, bodily fluids. But that's not vulnerable. Guys love to talk about that. Yeah. Talking mm-hmm. about the time you got so high once is actually the least... <laughs> engrossing story I've ever heard. Yeah. What are what are characteristics as, you know, for any future writers or mm-hmm. current writers listening to this, what are some characteristics of unlikable memoirs? Because it's so easy to think of them for me and as a reformed English major turned, yeah. turned yeah. surgeon. Um, but what do you think is an unlike? What, what, like what makes a memoir... What makes a person who's writing a memoir seem unlikable? I think you can overcome anything in your life as long as you take accountability and like have empathy for other people. So a perfect example of someone who wasn't able to do this is Jamie Lynn Spears. And I went into her book prepared to like actually defend her because sometimes these people have gotten the short end of the stick. And something so interesting about Jamie was she was like, all these horrible things happened to me. You know, I got pregnant and they took my phone and they put me in the woods and they tried to make me get an abortion. And my parents like, they literally held her captive in a cabin. But then she looks at Brittany and she goes, well, when they held her captive, they needed to. And you're like, how can you not see that they did the same thing to both of you and the way that it was wrong when it was done to you, it was also wrong when they did it to Brittany. Whereas I think somebody like... Mel B has a book that's really hard because it's about her abusive relationship and the way that her children were actually subjected to a lot of like tough situations because she like she was in this relationship with this man that was not even their biological father and the way that she fully is like this isn't pretty to hear but I've learned and like I've given grace to my parents and the people who have making mistakes towards me she like looks back at the Spice Girls and she's like at the time I was so mad at Ginger Spice for leaving but you know, we were all in a bad place. Everybody was struggling. So I understand why she did that. I think that's what we're looking for. Yeah, I think another unlikable quality is like trying to act like you have hit the end of the story and you can wrap it up as like a lesson for other people. I don't think that it has to finish as like, I've seen it all. I've come through it. And here's my advice. You can just tell your story and trust that your reader can find like if they can find themselves in the story, they will and they'll learn from it what they will. But you don't need to act like you know better now because there are so many people who will come to the end of it. And now, you know, we'll be reading the book a couple years later and we can look at their life as it has played out in public and say like, well, they didn't finish that story. Yeah. Like they don't have advice to give about this yet. You don't have to like come as a person of authority. You can just like 
tell your story. Jeanette McCurdy is such a good example of someone who's like, and you know, with my eating disorder, it's better this week than it was last year, but who knows how next week will go. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. She got so much amazing um, press pickup for that memoir. And, um, and did you like it? Did you feel like yeah. it lived up to the hype? She did a great job. I don't think it gave what people were hoping would give in terms of the Dan Schneider of it all, which is the, the belief and I think like the valid accusations that he was kind of molesting a lot of the kids on Nickelodeon. She alludes to it. But I think a lot of the hype was people were hoping that this would be the straw that like breaks the camel's back for that whole situation because a lot of people accuse him. Like a lot of our favorite Nickelodeon stars, people are like wondering what was happening behind the scenes. But that being said, you came for the Dan Schneider, but instead you got like an interesting child star story. And I think right now, especially with all the vloggers and the family TikTokers and stuff, it was a really interesting warning of what happens when you make your child your livelihood and project all of your like dreams that didn't come true onto your baby. It's not good, so don't do it. If you're hoping to do it, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, right? I think. Yeah. That's if anyone is looking to have six kids, like me, one. Great do you have six kids? kids? Yes, I have six wow. kids. Wow. All I knew is that you fix people's faces. <laughs> well, that's the. I didn't other, know you had birthed my... so many faces from scratch. Yes, I, I constructed. I don't yeah. just reconstruct faces. Yeah, I also start from the beginning. Wow. Yeah, from just one cell. So it's a lot of work, but um, I think. One thing that is nice about having a little bit of a bigger family is that that inherent, I don't know what it is, like a genetic inborn impulse to try to pass a better version of yourself on into the world, it gets diffused and you're just forced to chill a little bit and let yeah. your kids be themselves. My mom always said that. She's like, I wish I had more kids so I wasn't so disappointed in the two of you. <laughs> she's like, I just really thought, like, she's like, if there were six of you, I'd be like, well, there'll be a dud, there'll be a star, there'll be an... But she's like, when there's only two, you really... You <laughs> put, put all your eggs in that yeah. those two baskets. Like, I hope they don't crack. So, um, some pressure. Would either one of you guys ever write a memoir? I think we have like a lot to live up to at this point because we've been such haters. I think it would have to be far away. I don't think I have a memoir in me. I don't. I mean, I'm 31, so let's see what happens in the next 50 years or so. But I, I could see like a book of essays. I think there's like a certain topic. You I'd could have... write a memoir of the memoir. Yeah. Like, did you read that AJ Jacobs book where he reads the entire Oxford English Dictionary? Oh my and god, no! It's Interesting. So good. Um, I have to think of what it's called, but he reads the whole dictionary and he writes his autobiography or memoir, I guess, um, in the form of this task he's trying to complete, which is read the entire dictionary. And it's, it's like kind of categorized by words, but it's a lot more palatable than mm-hmm. it sounds like. I no, think it's called the know-it-all. The know-it-all. Interesting. He's, a, he's like a, a New Yorker, Atlantic that feels right <laughs> type of guy but i feel like that would be cool what if you guys wrote like a memoir of memoirs yeah like that what we be... got like a personal lesson and how it touched us because i do think yeah, like it's certain... like a catalog like the yeah. we need the cliffs notes of of all the memoirs it definitely sometimes like if it hits you at the right time in your life it can really be effective i always joke i make fun of matthew mcconaughey's book all the time because it was so corny, but at the same time, I quit my job because of that book. It like gave me the push I needed to quit my day job and do uh, podcasting full time. So I'm like, I hate on it, but actually, it's like had the biggest so impact on me. Technically, it was a life changing. Literally yeah. changed my life. So I don't like it was a fortune cookie, but it was a fortune cookie that really hit. <laughs> yeah, like you believed it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, that's awesome. I love that. What made what made you guys ultimately pull the trigger? In? Because this is your main gig, right? Yeah. You guys have mm-hmm. don't have different jobs. So what yeah. made you have the courage to go from traditional employment concepts to being full time podcasters? Um, Claire read Matthew McConaughey's book <laughs> and I got fired, <laughs> sort of. I And I didn't fully go like from full-time employment to podcast employment. I started freelancing and then just as we started making money from the podcast, um, I started having less and less clients and then, so I didn't really make any sort of risky jump. I just kind of was like, my income will stay the same the whole time. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And then I had always, like, because I'd always been doing stand-up and stuff, my goal had always been, like, worst case scenario, at 30, if it hasn't happened yet, I'm going to save so that I can take the year off and just, like, pursue comedy full-time. And then if it hasn't worked at the end of a year, I maybe have to reevaluate and acknowledge it's just not going to happen for me. But um, it was the pandemic. I was so miserable. I was, like, a receptionist was my day job. I couldn't take it anymore. And I finally was just, like, I can't. I can't keep living this unhappily. I was like going to work every day, like excited for the day to end. And I was like, this is too sad of a way to live my life. And I had some savings and I was like, I think I have to take the risk and go. We had podcast numbers at that point that we thought were like big time. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, Claire, if you had actually known how small your podcast was, you would not have quit your job. (laughs) Like if I saw those numbers now, I'd be like, this is nothing. You're like so far from monetizing. Don't quit. But um, luckily it worked out. I think like pulling the rug out from under yourself does give you what you need to just like make it happen and having all those extra hours to dedicate it was like all right let's get this show on the road and then by September we were making money and then by March of the next year we were salaried at higher than I had been making at my old day job so it all worked out oh my god wait how are you guys salaried um we, with for our like we have oh, our own like LLC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> as opposed like, to for a while like we would look at our earnings of the month and divvy oh. it up and then at one point we were like, okay, we can actually, we'll just pay ourselves this and then whatever's left over, put towards the company or a bonus. Oh, that's so great. Um, how do you guys monetize the Celebrity Memoir Book Club? So it's primarily, our like biggest income is actually our Patreon, which is nice. It's just like fans that pay $5 a month to hear a bonus episode every week, plus a fifth episode every month. And that's actually our biggest slice of cash which is nice because it comes directly from our listeners um and then we do ads on the main podcast and then we do touring we have like we have, i think we break even on merch yeah and then ideally in a perfect world we do like social media ads but nobody's really hired us yet but i think for some people that is a strand of income i feel like you guys would be really good as like a two-minute celebrity memoir book club review on SNL in Weekend Update. Like, Thank I, you. I feel like I'll let them know. I feel Lauren. like they should slot you in. Who's listening right now? But I think... Yeah, who's should, listening? Um, yeah, DM these ladies. They're a hot Or body. even the Today Show. We would take like a morning news, like a... I feel like it needs a comedic element. That's for so Hoda funny. likes to laugh, no? <laughs> she's jovial. Yeah, yeah she's got a joie de vivre. <laughs> lot of people could benefit from that okay one of my favorite instagram trends that i'm seeing right now is asking random people especially i've seen a few with professional athletes and celebrities and things what are your five favorite books so i want to ask you guys you can answer either memoirs Mm -hmm. or regular books okay my all-time favorite book is i'm a huge fan fan of elena ferrante um my brilliant friend so that's actually like four books technically but i'll count it as one but that series 
was like life changing to me. I think it was the first time I ever saw like adult female friendship be considered very important. And I, it was kind of a light bulb for me. I was like, oh yeah, my friends do matter a lot for me. And that's kind of like our whole thing is friendship. So I would say similar to Matthew McConaughey, that changed my life. Um, I'm a huge, I just read Tom Lake this summer by Ann Patchett. I'm a huge fan of that book. I read Bell Hooks All About Love over Christmas. That really changed my perspective on stuff and life. I would say, okay, that's three. Can, do you want to go? And I'll yeah, think of a back two. I, okay. I Feel just got to back. throw in some celebrity yeah. memoirs. Don't okay, I'm going to do celebrity shaming. memoirs. I'm going to do okay. um, uh, Molly Shannon's book. I, like, loved that one. I think it was a really good example of, like, trying really hard and then becoming successful in your 30s, <laughs> um, which I always appreciate. <laughs> Um, a lot of people need to hear that. A yeah, lot of people good. need to hear okay. it, especially in entertainment. I think that there's this real narrative that if you haven't made it by like, I mean, I remember being 25 years old and being like, if things don't happen quickly, I'll have expired. Um, and then, which gosh. I which I thought too, by the way, I want to just interject and say when I yeah. was 25, I literally was on the precipice of my plastic surgical residency training journey. And I remember calling my mom being like, I'm so old what is going to happen to me next after six years and then she said to me in six years you're going to be six years older whether or not you become a plastic surgeon but I think we just have to end this narrative yeah 25 is falling off the cliff well I keep it's so funny even with like all the the skincare obsession on TikTok right now that like I try to not get obsessed with but sometimes I look at these women who are like 23 and their biggest fear is looking 31 and I'm always like why like how well are you being treated right now in your life at 23 that you're like so scared you'll be treated differently because I remember being 23 that's not when I was being treated my best by people (laughs) nobody like looks at a 23 year old girl and is like ah nothing but respect and love (laughs) and the way that's like the skincare thing where people are like oh my god if I like get a single wrinkle and it's just like first of all you might but also, you can, like, still look really pretty. Do you, like, there's, like, ways to be really, I don't know. It's I always say, you know, being 23 doesn't automatically make you beautiful because there's some really ugly 23-year-olds. Yeah. I think, <laughs> like, <I'm> like, <laughs> it's still just, like, a spectrum of hot to not. And you can be ugly at any age. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And, okay, God, what okay. other books do I like? That's my problem is I have read other books, but in the last couple of years since we've been doing the podcast, I read non-celebrity memoirs a lot less and I like things fall out of my head so quickly and I need to start keeping lists I keep on referencing sort of the worst question to be asked yeah in an interview or any time really because then you're put on the spot or like your favorite movie that's like the worst question yeah um is there any celebrity you wish would write a memoir? Like, who do we need to really hear about and unpack? The problem is there are a lot of celebrities whose story I hugely want to know. But if they're going to write a bad memoir, because we've read so many memoirs that are really just like, I don't know, dinner party memoirs or Wikipedia memoirs where they're just listing things that have happened to them. Like, that is not something I'm interested in. If Katie Holmes wants to give us a deep dive on what happened with Tom Cruise, I would love to hear it. But I do think Scientologists would... Hunter. Um, yeah, the problem is a lot of people I want to hear from are not people that I know are, like, up to the challenge. Like, Amanda Bynes, what was going on? But I think it might the ship may have yeah. sailed. I don't know that Lindsay Lohan is capable of, like, reflecting vulnerably on her childhood because I think I she's think, holding on for her dear life as it is. I don't know that she can go back into the depths of what happened. And then there are people where I think that if they were to reveal the truth of what happened, like, there are people who would harm them like Katie Holmes like Rihanna um Kesha 
I would actually really like to know more about I that. I bet we get one of those. I think we get a Kesha memoir. I think or we'll a get fictionalized, a like, yeah. a book about a woman who tries to become a singer and... Yeah. The big memoir from, was it last year or the year before, that um, all my friends were talking about was Spare. Did you yes. guys, What did you guys think about it? Let me hear your It journey. was a lot about war, which nobody, I think, no one wanted that here talks about. Nobody ever, nobody ever acknowledges that there was like 300 pages of Afghanistan in there, which is wild. Yeah. I think one of my most controversial opinions is I think that that book was as good as it was going to be. And I think for people to have higher expectations than what we got is very unreasonable. <laughs> I also, I think it goes back to like what we were saying, why Minka Kelly's was so good. Cause at the end of the day, the name dropping celebrity gossip is actually not that interesting. Like, oh, what, yeah, him and his sister-in-law didn't get along. Like, you know what I mean? Like siblings fight, who among us did not yeah. already know that. What's interesting is like somebody telling like a hard earned story of earnestness and vulnerability. And he's still like pissed off that. People were mean to him in high school. I don't know. Like, it's just like... Yeah. I guess that's the thing is this was his hard-earned story of vulnerability. It just, like, wasn't as sympathetic as he thinks it is. And so, like, this... Like, he's kind of in, like, the situation where, like, this was his three-foot pool. He isn't that deep, I don't think. And he's also not that smart. And so he wrote this book as best he could. And it was what it was. But people who are like, oh, wow, that kind of sucked. I'm like, well, what did you expect from someone who, like, barely got into high school? (laughs) <laughs> and now I feel bad. He's doing okay. He's He'll doing be fine. He's, him and his $60 million Netflix deal are fine. <laughs> yeah, I think Netflix, I think Spotify gave them a lot of money to make one podcast episode. I think they're doing okay. Yeah, you guys have to look into that contract. Yeah, we, yeah. I actually ask for it regularly. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's going to be some money left over from that podcast that never happened. Could you give that to us? And they're like, no, none no, for you. Yeah. None for you. Um, in terms of, just reading as part of your daily life. How do you feel like the act of being active readers professionally and personally has changed who you are as people? Because you read much more than the average adult, also the average child. But um, yeah, how has that affected your worldview? Well, I think definitely doing the podcast has made reading harder for me because I like associate it with reading, with uh, work, which is a bummer because I like, I also was an English major. I loved reading, but I, I've been like really trying to make sure I'm also reading the books that I love because I am so worried about my attention span with TikTok. I've really been decimated in terms of how long something can hold my attention. I find myself watching TV and then also watching my phone. And when I love a book, I forget that. I do that too. Yeah, and it's like, I can't Are look. I'm like, okay as a general? No. <laughs> but I do think, like, a great book is one of the last things that I get fully engrossed in. And, and I can sit down and I can read for hours. So I think having that as kind of the foothold in rebuilding my ability to, like, focus on something and consume my big 2024 thing is culture not content not just sitting on my phone and actually enjoying New York City and like going out but I feel like that has been such a window back into like it's still in me the muscle exists I just have to work it back out if you don't like the book you're reading just find a book you like because being engrossed in a book there really is nothing else that I feel like takes you five senses and just kind of holds you that way yeah I agree I think that reading so much has I think helped my or like kind of encouraged the muscle of like not taking things at face value um because we're like so used to diving so much deeper into a situation that whenever someone will like I actually think I've gotten a lot like less fun to talk to at parties or something because someone will be like oh did you hear about this I'm like well that's not the whole story Yeah, I think seeing, reading the books and then seeing what the hot take headline was, we're always like, well, that was just like the least important part of the whole freaking book. And like, this is clickbait. It's all clickbait. You have yeah. to do your own research. 
Or subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or subscribe the to the Patreon. I think it's, like, made me a lot more, um, like, deep divey. I go on a lot more deep dives. That's so interesting. And then my last kind of genre of questions is, how has social media impacted the way we not only interact with books as a society, but also the way you guys summarize books? You kind of alluded to it a little bit with the TikTok mindset, but mm-hmm. everything is so fast and visually stimulating and green screeny and it's so yeah i mean we talk really fast i think we're lucky in that we always talk this fast and the world's finally catching up i think people who listen to their podcasts on 2x speed like they find us and they're like you're finally at the right speed but um I think with podcasts, because it is an audio medium, I assume people are at their desks or driving or working or something. So we are the secondary thing. So that buys us a bit of time to do a longer chat. But yeah, I think there's like kind of an odd thing happening right now where like book talk is so big that it's like really encouraged reading, but it's almost like, like obviously people are reading. Like I'm not, I, I do think TikTok has weirdly like encouraged reading but it's encouraged reading like huge volumes of books the amount of books that people read it's almost like the mass consumption the Shein of reading kind of I feel like people are just like proving that they've read like six books a month rather than like taking in certain information I think that like social media as a whole kind of like promotes the idea of like a flash item and then you don't take any of the information or the thoughts like with you I mean, I do feel like what we're doing, I wouldn't say of everything that needs to be held sacred, it's the celebrity memoir. Right. But definitely the spark notification of everything, the way that your For You page is just giving you the highlights and you don't, I almost think talking about books online does make people read less because you feel like you've gotten the important part. Yeah. There's like this way of faking yourself out, like, oh, somebody presented it like it was a video essay. But if you only watch for a second, and I'm so guilty of it too, I'm like, I read an article and by read an article, I mean somebody said something... (laughs) Somebody read a tweet out loud to me, and now I assume yes. I get the gist. I heard, I've heard that the correct way of talking about a TikTok you saw is to say that you read an article in yeah. the Wall Street yeah. Journal. Yeah, 100%. And, like, the Wall Street Journal kind of, like, negates all TikTokiness about yeah. it and, and clear, sanitizes it for a That's for your grandpa now. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I missed that one. <laughs> Well, this is so amazing to speak with you guys, and I'm so happy that you're bringing a little bit of the world of celebrity memoirs to my podcast, so thank you guys. Thank you for having us. All right, well, where can people find you, and where can they, more importantly, find access to the elite curation (laughs) in a digestible format of all the celebrity memoirs they need to read? Well, we're at Celebrity Memoir Book Club on TikTok, on Instagram, and then search Celebrity Memoir Book Club on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you read, wherever you look, listen. Yeah. I, okay, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.